Welcome to Where I Come From, a podcast devoted to Nebraska sports figures and the life experiences that shaped them. I'm your host, Dirk Chatlin, and this week's guest is Harrison Beck, the face of the most ballyhooed recruiting class in Nebraska football history and Texas business entrepreneur. We talked about growing up on the beach, losing his dad at seven years old, the genius and failure of Bill Callahan, John Gruden's epic pep talk to the Huskers, what he has in common with Jim Harbaugh and Donald Trump, and why he thinks he was blacklisted from the NFL. And I think I saw him like rip his helmet off after he threw his first touchdown. I was like, oh my God. And my mind was just blown. And like ever since I saw that, I pretty much was like, I have to be Brett Favre. I was like the guy at your high school party that you like asked to knock a beer can off your forehead from like 20 uh, yards away. I was like mocks and varsity blues at that point. If somebody would have walked like in between us looking at each other, like their head would have got lobbed off. It was like the most, he like downloaded my soul. And he's like, hi, I'm Nick Saban. I'll offer you scholarship to LSU. I'm like sitting there like watching. I'm like, dude, I can throw a football 85 yards. Like, yeah, I might throw some incompletions at first, but like just throw my ass in there and let's go. And I just grabbed my guitar and I went up to Jiffy Loop and got my gauges checked and uh, just grabbed some basketball shorts and I was like, dude, no way I'm staying here in Lincoln. I have an amazing, amazing, talented arm like you've never seen in your life and I didn't even get a sniff in the NFL. I watched him flip over the handlebars of his mountain bike one time. I was like, dude, that kid's a dork. But then I saw him like last year he married Sierra and I'm like, oh my God. He married Sierra, but my wife's hotter. Wait, can I just get like one coach who's just gonna like dedicate his life to Harrison Beck? This is where I come from. Let's start with this. Can you can you tell me about the commercials that you do for Cleanosaur? <laughs> Which one are you talking about? You're talking about some of my homemade Cleanosaur movies. Yes. Can you describe that? I mean, we're, we'll uh, we'll hopefully. Well, it might be hard to post those on iTunes, but can you paint can you paint a, you paint a picture yeah. for for uh, for listeners out there what this is all about? Yeah. Yeah. So. I was using Uber, I, so I travel for business a lot, and I'm, I'm always using Uber or Lyft, and I'm doing, you know, like, executive-level housekeeping, like, old-school, like, you know, <laughs> emptying trash cans, cleaning toilet bowls, and, I, and, I, and you can never find the housekeeper. They're always, like, hiding in the stairwell, don't want to do the job. So I'm like, I got to gps track these folks and so i see uber and i'm like well you can track drivers so now i'm going to start tracking housekeepers and i i landed a bunch of investments and um from my friends and family and started working with these engineers in india and i built this company called cleanosaur and initially it was it was uh you know my wife was helping me and we're like this is amazing now we can track all our housekeepers and I, uh, you can press a button. It'll hit everyone's phone within 50 miles and they can accept the job and you can watch them drive your house and clean your house and automatic payment transfers. It's like an Uber or like a PayPal, you know, maybe a combination of both, but for 
folks who clean your houses. We're like, if you have like your great, pretend you're a college kid and mom's coming to town and you have like your Bud Light beer can Christmas tree up, <laughs> you can just request a Cleanosaur and the cleaner will show up and spend an hour clean up your, uh, your, you know, your dorm room and your mom will show up and you'll be like, wow, Greg, you're, you're so clean, man. What did you do? And they'll be like, Cleanosaur! <laughs> okay. So did you name it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. I um uh I was like, what's going to be an awesome name? Cuz cuz in the tech world, you either have to have like you know, like everything has to be like a cool name. So like instead of Lyft, like L I F T, they're like, let's do a Y in there. Lyft. <laughs> and that's like Silicon Valley. It's like everything has to be cool. So I was like, Cleanosaur. Just sounds amazing. Hi, I'm Harrison, CEO of Cleanosaur.com. Did you tell someone you thought was your best friend a really personal, intimate secret, and then they told Carol across the street, and she told Jill on the adjacent side of your house, and now everyone in the neighborhood knows your secret, all because the person you thought was your best friend ran her mouth like a leaky faucet. That sounds like a mess. I might be able to find a cleaner who can help you. <laughs> Take her out. Or clean all their houses. <laughs> I can even maybe find someone to fix that faucet. Andy, man. <laughs> okay, so the commercials. How many of these have you done? Uh, I, I actually had way more. I had... 30 maybe even 40 of them i kind of make them each day um and i'll like upload them to instagram or youtube in fact one of my investors um and these guys are former texas tech football players so i got like i know nebraska's in the big 10 now but i got like like first team all big 12 like is like running cleanosaur right now it's amazing um but they helped me kind of make these videos and they saw the video and they saw the one where I'm coming out of my house and I'm like, honey, get that plastic bag off my yard. Call a cleanosaur. Right. And so <laughs> the investor's like, man, as soon as I saw that, I knew you were going to be a star. And he, and he actually gave me like $50,000 just because of that one YouTube video. Are you serious? I swear on my life. True story. Man, all you had to do was show a little bit of marketing ability, huh? Right, right. I mean, he already knew that, like, you know, I have a rocket arm and that I'm highly successful. I probably should have been Brett Favre. Maybe if it wasn't for, like, Bill Callahan and Tom O'Brien, I'd probably be, like, in the NFL right now. Instead of Andrew Luck being out for the year, I'd be, like, leading the Colts to a championship. Yeah. So he knew that background, but then that video just put it over the top. Wow, this is going to be a good conversation. I can tell already. Um, when's uh, are, are you playing at all? Are you throwing the ball around the yard a little bit? When's the last time you picked up a ball? <laughs> I throw every day. I'm telling you, I'm like a, I, I love football so much. First of all, and uh, so and I burn these nets out. You can go to like Dick Sporting Goods. And get like these quarterback nets that have little squares in them, and 
they have like three squares in them. And so I started with those and I, I put it, I have a pretty big yard. So I put them up, you know, 10, 20, 30 yards away and I'll throw like a hundred balls a day and just to keep the goose loose. Right. <laughs> well, well then my mom goes on Amazon and she gets me this ball called the bounce back and it's half a football and when you throw it against the wall, it bounces back to you. So I got rid of the nets, and now my neighbors come outside, and they're like, dude, there's Harrison again just throwing 25-yard dig routes against this brick wall of his house. <laughs> and I, like, drop back, and I'm like, I see, like, a mailbox, and I'm like, flat route. And then I go to the tree, and I'm like, curl route, he's not open, I'm going backside. And that's when I hit the, the brick wall, and I, I do that as well, so... You uh, you like need, uh, you're gonna need I'm some like more Randy Quaid in that in the rookie. Right, you're gonna need some more footballs though. That's a good way to scuff up your footballs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I always keep about 15 footballs on deck. You got you got to keep those things. They're like they're like uh, Beretta cartridges in the in the Matrix. After you em- empty a clip, you have to have like another clip ready. So, are you uh? So so you got married. When did you get married? I got married about four years ago um, to my hot little wife, Rachel, and uh, I got out of work and I, I went for like a, you know, late night, late nightcap and she was in there and I thought I was going to be like slick and I was, and I walk up and I'm like, I'll get you a redheaded slut. You, d- you did like, not. Yeah, I did. I, I was like, it's like a pineapple shot. It's like a fun shot. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to be great. And she's like, women from Texas drink whiskey. And I was like, oh, man, I failed miserably on this one. And uh, next thing you know, she ordered us a couple of Woodford on the rocks. And we got married about six months later. And we've been married for four years. Wow, that's fantastic. Are there any, uh, any, any little Harrison backs running around? Yeah, I have a little son. His name's Beauregard, Frederick Beauregard back. I, I wanted to, like, give him that, like, official, like, Supreme Court judge type of name. And so I gave him that really powerful name, and uh, we'll see what happens. What do you a little what, rascal, though, that's for sure. What do you call him? I call him Bo. Bo. Just Bo Beck. He's already got a strong little body on him. He can already throw a football. It's kind of weird. He's only he's going to be four, but he can already throw pretty good. We got about this four foot monkey, and I I hold it up, and I go, Bo, show what happens when them NFL players take a knee, and he runs full speed and he tackles it. So I don't know if he's going to be a linebacker or not. <laughs> When's the last time you were in Nebraska? I haven't been in Nebraska since uh, I don't know, 2006, maybe. Like, last time I went, last time I was on campus, like August 2006. Yeah, yeah, whatever that whatever that day was, where I was at a walkthrough, and I'm like, I don't know, they were doing like a running walkthrough of run plays, and I just was, I looked at Zach, and I was like, dude what's the fastest way to get back to Tampa? And he, and he thinks I'm joking, and the next thing you know, I was on my way back to Tampa. 
Okay, now now let's uh, let's slow down a little bit. So that's a pretty important moment in uh, in your life, I imagine. Uh, what what were the what yep. were the, what were the circumstances that led up to that point? Because you know, I think they were they were messing you around on the depth chart a little bit, and uh, you were probably a little homesick. What was going on? I don't know if it was homesick. I just i I honestly was out in Nebraska, and it was it was great. I mean, beautiful college. I mean, they have the best food you've ever seen. They got the Alfredo bar. They got prime rib, ice cream bar, salad bar. I mean, they just top-notch workout facility. I mean, it was it was the best of all time. But I'm just out there, and I'm like, you know, I don't know how to explain it. The receivers, it was just, I'm like, I'm like a 19, like, 87, like, Dan Fouts-type quarterback, like, I just want to call my own plays and get out of my way. And I want, like, life to be, like, a two-minute call. And I'm just out in Nebraska, and they're running the West Coast. I don't know if you ever met Coach Callahan, but he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's pretty genius-like. He's very, very, very smart. You know, we're transitioning from the option, so, you know, it's just, like, weird. There's not really great receivers on the team. There's walk-on players. And I'm, like, having to you know, battle with Zach and Joe and some of the folks. And I'm like, if we're going to do this, like, just, like, give me the ball and get out of my way. Bill was not much of a freelancer. Yeah, yeah. It it just was like, I want to run, like, the Texas Tech offense or something. And he's, like, doing all this, you know, Trey Wright, 200 jet, Y speak X slant. And I can do that all day, but it just was like – it was almost like being in jail trying to play quarterback or something. You know, it just wasn't wasn't awesome. Okay, let's go. Let's we're gonna come back to the Nebraska stuff, but I, I want to go all the way back to the start. Uh, you you grew up in Tampa, right? Clearwater. Yeah, yeah. Grew up in Tampa, Florida. What was your What was your family like? Uh, my family. Uh, you know, we we lived on the ocean, so we're real, you know, eat seafood every night. We're, like, going out in the boat, going fishing a lot, and just real athletic family, biking outside, running. We're just really, like, outdoors, outside, you know, stay in shape type family. But, you know, I, I kind of, I lost my dad when I was a little kid. I, I came home from vacation, and my dad was I actually found him uh he's actually not alive anymore he's on the couch so that happened when I was seven so my mom really stepped in and helped support me and she was kind of the guiding force for me behind a lot of the things that I was able to get accomplished in recruiting and other items she was kind of one of those hybrid mom dads if you could imagine so um, you know, she's kind of like, she's kind of like Kris Jenner, the Kardashians a little bit, except for like having a bunch of hot girls. She just, you know, had like maybe the next Brett Favre for her son. Yeah. And so she, she was very like, whether what, when we went to a camp, she would walk right out to the middle of the field and, you know, Harrison's going to be the best one here or Harrison's going to go first she was kind of like that she kind of would be like a perfect NFL agent or something if you could imagine that but it but for a high school quarterback 
So did you? Uh, I mean, this is going to sound like a psychiatric question, but but what impact did your did losing your dad have have on you? I actually saw a stat. They said that almost every quarterback. Sorry about the background noise. Almost every quarterback who's made it in the NFL has a has had a full time dad. Um, and if you look at the great quarterbacks, you look at the Tom Brady's or the Brett Favre's or, you know, whoever it is, you know, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, they all have this really strong dad figure behind them. And so I think the only impact I could imagine would be that I have kind of a, I don't want to say rebel streak, but I have kind of like a, like, I'm kind of like Jim McMahon, in a sense. Yeah. And sometimes your dad kind of can, you know, put you in a headlock and be like, son, you know, get in shape. And so I had, I had like I said, I had like a mom-dad hybrid. So, you know, my mom still had that. I love you, son. You know how moms are. They're not quite as, like, kick your butt in the gear as the dad. So I always kind of had that riverboat gambler that went unchecked. Who was your uh, who's your male your your male influences? Like how did you how did you get into football? Pretty much it was uh, I have my brother Brent played and was a college athlete, went to Kentucky Wesleyan and played receiver. He was a great athlete. But what really got me into football um, was was Brett Favre. I had I watched Brett Favre during the 96 season you know when he had his run to win the super bowl and and i think i saw him like rip his helmet off after he threw his first touchdown i was like oh my god and my mind was just blown and like ever since i saw that i pretty much was like i have to be brett Favre. wow and that's really what motivated me when did you get a sense that 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 future was possible harrison i mean there's there's a lot of 10 year old kids who are who were running around in 1996 saying, "I want to be the next Brett Favre." How, how did you? How did you make the next? You know, make the jump. I just, uh, I always, uh, I don't know. I have a, I always, my, I always, I told my wife this when she first met me, and I tell a lot of people that you really don't like me for like until you've known me for like six months. I'm like, I'm pretty like off your rocker competitive like maybe in like a jim harbaugh kind of way a little brash right you know maybe in like a, maybe in like a donald trump like double down you know kind of way and and i uh i've been that way ever since i was a little kid and so i started my brother kind of taught me to throw and he said my brother said uh you gotta have a fast release you know it should only come from your ear and forward it should be like you know, like a great boxer, like you should, you got to be really compact when you punch. So you get all your shoulders and, and, uh, elbow and, and your arm all intact. And so I start, he started throwing with me and then my stepdad built me this crazy little tire thing. And so I would go out in the backyard. It, it was almost like, just like trance. Like I would go in the backyard and I would just throw for like literally five hours a day, like after school and I just built my arm up. I just, you know, I'm throwing so many passes a day. And I'm like, here I am, like, 12, 13, and I can throw, like, you know, 50, 60, 
70 as I'm getting older and it just gets, I can throw further and further and harder and harder. And at that point, it kind of becomes like your, your signature. You know what I mean? It's like your badge. It's like your sword or something. It's like what you, it's like what you become like known for. So you do it all the time. You know, some people are funny. Some people can sing good. I was like the guy like at your high school party that you like asked to knock a beer can off your forehead from like, you know, like 20 miles away, like I was, or 20 uh, yards away. I was like mocks and varsity blues at that point. I'm always a lot of fun. Like I, I like to have, um, a lot of fun. I, I can see how some people, you know, I, I guess I could be a little macho or masculine sometimes in a, maybe like in like a stone cold Steve Austin type way, you know, like, smashing beer cans together like i actually do the best stone cold impression of all time <laughs> i'd be like and that's the bottom line because stone cold says so and i just you know i'm just like teed up all the time maximum energy so i think people like that about me how did the uh how the recruiting process start <sighs> you know i was and I think back to it now, I was in ninth grade, and my coach, um, he comes in the office, and he's like, you just got an offer from Stanford and Buddy Tevens. And I'm like, Stanford? I'm like, they suck. I'm not going to Stanford. Now I'm like, geez, if I would have went there, I'd be working at Salesforce right now, making 400 k a year, you know, because it's like great college now. <laughs> but I did the same thing with like Duke you know, Chapel Hill, a lot of these great schools. I was like, man, I'm not going there. They're not any good. But um, one of the best recruiting experiences, I get called to the office one day, and your coach always tells you to keep a sweatshirt. To keep it in your locker, and you put it on. It's supposed to add 15 pounds to you if a college coach shows up. Are you serious? So, yeah, yeah, that's like a recruiting 101 trick, so... My English teacher's mad because I'm getting pulled out of class like literally five times a day to meet with coaches. So my teachers are kind of pissed off. <clears throat> I'm walking to my coach's office. I look in the principal's office. I'm like, I do a double take. I'm like, it was Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Now this one they were at, they were at LSU, and I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I'm like kind of like nervous like a street cat now. And I'm, I turn the corner. Well, they kind of catch up to me, so now they're like 40 yards behind me. I walk in my coach's office, and I sit down. <laughs> like, I don't know what I was thinking, like trying to, you know, I've been here for 10 minutes. You know, they obviously saw me go in there. But Nick Saban walks in. He's a short kind of guy. But he, he reaches out, and he shakes my hand. Hi, I'm Nick Saban. I'll offer you a scholarship to LSU. I look back at Jimbo Fisher. He's got a toothpick in his mouth, kind of like, meek and to himself like you know Jimbo is and and uh I look down and Nick Saban's got on purple gator skin LSU loafers and I'm like wow this is real I look <laughs> up I look in I look in Nick Saban's eyes and it's like the same thing like when you plug your iPod like into your computer and it says syncing like as soon as I connected with his eyes if somebody would have walked like in between us looking at each other, like their head would have got lobbed off. It was like the most, he like downloaded my soul. And he's like, hi, I'm Nick Saban. I'll offer you scholarship to LSU. 
we're going to be at your spring game tonight. And I'm like, thank you, sir. And I got my 15 extra pounds on me. I'm like, thank you, sir. And, and so that was the time. It was like that. It was like that all the time. He, uh, you know, I had, he offered you a scholarship right there, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he had so much swag. It was unbelievable. Spurrier was Out of all the coaches. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Spurrier was another one who gave me a scholarship. I, I didn't get to talk to him, though, because I was up in the dam. I'm up in the shower, and I hear the phone ring, and my dad's calling for me. I'm like, hey, I'm in the shower. I'll be out. And I get downstairs. I'm like, who was that? And he's like, it was Steve Spurrier. And I'm like, okay. Is he calling back? He's like, no, I told him you were going to Nebraska. You're not going to South Carolina to play for Steve Spurrier. I told him not to call back again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what the? I'm like, I don't care. And so David Reeves, kind of his GA or whatever he was at the time, he calls me again, and I'm like, I'm like, geez, can I talk to? I'm sorry, I missed that call, with Coach Spurrier. Even if I'm not going to South Carolina, I still want to say I got to talk to him on the phone. And so David Reeves, like, well, if you're not going to come here, you don't get to just talk to Steve Spurrier to talk to Steve Spurrier. And I was like, well, hell, I guess I really ain't coming there now. <laughs> okay, as we get going and Harrison starts telling stories, there is a little bit of explicit language in this podcast. Consider yourself warned. It's mostly John Gruden's fault. <laughs> how did you meet uh, how did you meet Callahan? I mean, so there so he gets hired in January of 04. And I mean, they must have found you pretty quick because uh, I imagine they were kind of behind in the game a little bit, weren't they? Yeah, he came in kind of late. So first of all, my high school coach, you know, he wanted me to go to NC State because I I grew up as a kid with this guy Jay Davis. He's my coach's son. He played at NC State with Philip Rivers. I'm going to their practices all the time. I know Chuck Amato and Todd Stroud and these folks. So it's like, they want me to go there, but he walks in one day and he's like, well, you like corn? I'm like, what the, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you will be a corn husker. They, they're switching from the option to the West coast. They just hired Bill Callahan. Phil Almation was from Purdue. And so Phil, he recruited me at Purdue. He gave me like a scholarship when I was in like 10th grade or something to Purdue. Again, it was one of those schools. Like, I'm not going, you know. I know you guys have Drew Brees and Kyle Orton, but I don't want to go to Purdue. But um, he he offered me a scholarship to Purdue, so he goes to Nebraska, and so he takes my tape from Purdue, and he's like, he ain't going to Purdue, he's going to Nebraska now. And so so I really got in close with Coach Elmation and his family. They're like the best family of all time. You know, like they great. His daughter Claire is great. His wife's unbelievable you know great home cooked meals just great great salt of the earth folks and that's kind of how i got my angle into the into nebraska um you had you could have gone to florida florida state yeah. uh, obviously lsu yeah. obviously south carolina uh right. why the heck did you pick nebraska i mean i don't mean that as demeaning to nebraska but you had to get that question a lot right yeah, well, you have to you have to remember. I mean, Nebraska is like that's big football. That's big time football. And uh, I know they had some down years, but they were pretty legit. And uh, so I get a an offer from them. I mean, 
they're going from they're going from the ocean to the west coast. I mean, who's going to be on that? You know, who's going to be there? You know what I mean? If you go to like, you know, go to USC. I mean, there's like five five star quarterbacks on there. I mean, I don't even know how those guys do it. I I can't even wait in line at the movie theater, let alone wait for a practice rep. <laughs> and and you go to so I'm like in Nebraska. I'm like, geez, this is going to be like I'm not even going to have to wait like a, like a second. And so it just seemed easy for me. Now that I look back on it, you know, I probably could have thought about some other things like, you know, you know, offenses that, you know, I mean, they were switching to the West Coast, so they just run the option. So it's not like they were going to be super high fluid and functioning. I mean, the West Coast is a dead serious offense. I don't, I don't know if you ever listen to Steve Young talk about it, but I mean, it's like a calculus type offense. And so I'm, I, I'm pretty smart guy. I mean, I understand it, but you know, you got to have the receivers and the linemen and everyone on the same page. And I probably should have known that Nebraska was going to take a couple years to cross over. But I mean, I don't, I, I guess I don't regret going to Nebraska. I mean, like I said, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful place to, to play and there's tons of tradition and the folks on the team are super proud to be on that team so there's a lot of great stuff um at that school for sure you committed in june of 04 and um i mean this is a time i mean people think recruiting hype is crazy today it was it was a whole it was a whole different level in 2004 at nebraska can you uh, can yeah. you can you describe what it was like? I mean, one time you came up for I think you came up for the spring game, and you were running late. Yeah. You were running late, and you guys got stopped or something like that on the interstate, and uh, yeah. and yeah. and allegedly the, uh, the the state patrolman you know found out who you were yeah. and and just let you go. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Wasn't yeah, there's it? all kinds. Of, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, isn't it like the third largest city on game day or something? I mean, Nebraska football is, it's almost like a cult, you know, um, legions of fans. I mean, they, they sell red hot dogs at the games. I mean, it's just like unbelievable. And, uh, so the recruiting fanfare, I mean, I had, I'd have to look through them. I have a huge box. I have a couple boxes that just handwritten letters from Nebraska fans, and not even just from Lincoln, but from like I think I got one from like Germany, and and just people really and and honestly all over America, but but in certain parts of the world that were writing handwritten letters that were following recruiting. You know, I can't wait to watch you play, or you know, I'm so excited. I had this website back then. My uncle bought it, HarrisonBeck.net, or was it .com, but it had a, you could send messages in, and I would have inboxes full of emails, like, you know, like 100 a week. And some of those got kind of zany. There was, like, you know, folks out in the farm who were, like, wanted to hook me up with their daughters (laughs) and wanted me to take their daughters out. I mean, this is true. They wanted me to come to dinner, take their daughters out on dates, and so that got that got kind of crazy, but um, but the recruiting was just 
it's really an unbelievable experience and and i don't if you don't go through it you might you might not understand i'm sure going to the nfl is a whole other level but when you're 17 and you have 30 cameras in a circle around you um you know i don't i don't think it gets more uh, i don't think you can get more teed up than that you know it's an it's an adrenaline rush was it um were there unintended consequences did it did it impact you negatively in any way the only way it impacts me negatively is like i got to see him i got a google history of like it goes back like 15 pages and i'll i'll be at work and i'll meet co-workers and and they're like man i was googling you last night and i'm like i'm like yeah i know it says some some of the stuff it might say but uh i'll tell you what and uh you know i gotta tell i gotta tell the story so sometimes it works out because you know i'm like the cool guy at work i guess but uh but that's that's been the big one. I'll do interviews, or I'll sign a different company, or you know, meet with investors or something. And I gotta I gotta spend an hour talking about you know the glory days in Nebraska and NC State and stuff. So yeah, but Harrison, did did it impact you negatively as an eighteen year old kid coming up here? Mm. If I, you know, part of me says that I probably should have stayed closer to home so that way you have your family and your friends and the people you grew up with around you i would say moving out into the middle of the country in nebraska from living on the ocean in tampa florida um and not having any immediate family around you um is kind can be a harrowing experience you know and i think some of the realizations of like i think i like hurt my ankle one day in practice or something there was an article about it and so some of those realizations of like you know like what i, I was i hurt my ankle when it's already in the paper and you and you're kind of just by yourself and you're and you don't you don't really understand maybe how to control the media yet or or how to influence it or or get it to work in your favor i think some of those things um, are really hard lessons for young kids to learn. You know, they think it's they think it's all fun and games, but um, you know, it's not anymore. It's you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but you almost have to like become a you, now. Now I would have like a Kardashian level of media management, like a PR person that would just try to spin everything. You almost need that. Like, you're in a sociology class with 200 people. Anything you say or do is like the game of telephone. So, like, maybe you get, you know, back to football headquarters, and they have people watching you all over campus. So, like, you know, you get back to football headquarters, and it's like, hey, how come you were, how come you were, you know, being a comedian in sociology today? And you're like, what? You know, and they like, you know, it's like somebody could report you or, or, uh, or just even, um, just even things like, you know, when you do conditioning, for instance, this is a story I literally tell everyone. So you're conditioning, and when you're at high level D one, you're doing twenty four one hundreds, you're doing ten three hundreds, you're doing twelve somewhere in twelve to fourteen two hundreds, and this is sprints, hardcore sprints, and this is not easy. And if you're a freshman, your body's not built up yet. I was fine because I run my ass off. I still run to this day. So I was in shape. 
but I remember, I think it was like Marlon Lucky, like, didn't make his times. And there was like a full-on, like, getting ready to be like a fist fight over him not making his times. Like, the team was like, like, they, like you were going to get, like, I don't want to be, be any inflammatory, but you were going to get, like, beat up almost if you didn't make your times. And I just remember seeing that when I was, like, 17. I'm like, dude, I ain't missing a damn time. I, that, that ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> but it was things like that that you realize for the first time, like, you're not at home anymore. You're like, this is, like, hardcore. Um, this is, like, hardcore football now. What did you think of Bill Callahan, like, once you got to know him better? I mean, was he, you know, he had kind of a... He was really, really hard for people from the outside to understand. I don't think I don't think people on the outside felt like they ever really knew the guy. Did Did you ever know the guy? He's too smart. He's too. You ever meet somebody who's really smart? Like, imagine if you're like a genius and you gotta like talk to normal people, and it's like you're just like you're like almost like you can't relate because you're just too smart. And he he was. He was a lot like that. I mean, one time I told you a story the other day. It's, you know, he came on his recruiting visit. My mom, you know, makes some filet and young and some hollandaise sauce and lobster tails, and we're eating. And my uncle's like, "The Raiders suck." And I look over at my uncle, and I'm like, "I'm like, why'd you?" Because they just lost the Super Bowl to the Bucks. I'm like, "What the hell? Are you gonna? He's not gonna give me a scholarship? Why are you saying this?" I'm like kicking him under the table, but he laughed. You know, he's fine. But then I'm sitting down on the couch with him, and, uh, you know, he's petting my wiener dog, Dutch, and he's sitting on his lap, and I'm, like, talking to him, and he pulls out a notepad, and he's like, all right, let's let's go over these offensive, you know, let me go over this offensive line stuff, and I'm like, all right. You know, he's like, where's the G-bubble, and this means the one technique, like the nose tack, the nose guards on the, on the inside of the uh, center shoulder. And he's, like, writing up all these coverage fronts and these fronts. And I'm, like, having to identify out of nowhere. He looks up at the Monday Night Football game, Jaguars-Steelers, and he says, he goes, oh, that's going to be double circle out right there, uh, 58 protection. And I swear to God, Ben Roethlisberger gets a snap and throws a circle out to Heinz Ward. And he's like, I told you. And then we just went back to <laughs> back to the plays but i'm like he literally looked at the tv for like a second and threw that play out there and you just knew he was that he's that smart and that doesn't always translate well when you have to deal with a lot of people you know what i mean he's an offensive line guy so he's used to like being with the alignment and those are some hogs you can say whatever you want to those guys you know what i mean um man that's great stuff i mean so he just he had a hard time communicating with 20 year old kids who had a lot of stuff going on in their lives right well there's a few there's two there's two two things to him so we're in the huddle one time and he it was a rough, kind of rough day of practice but his plays were big i mean you're talking bunch right fake 99 naked right wide slide x circle out or your green you know Green right, uh, green right, ninety three weak fuck to a black fifty eight exon, like that's one play. That's like two plays, but one call. And so, quarterbacks can do this stuff because we're like you know we're rocket scientists. But the other guys, you know, it's trouble for them. 
So he walks into the huddle one time, and he, he snaps his pen in half, and he's like, I got one-tenth of my MFM playbook in because you guys can't do dick. He's like, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, and just went through the whole And you're just like, that's just like another moment. You're like, this is dead serious football now, you know? I, I almost <laughs> laugh because I see all this... I see all this, like, harassment in the workplace type stuff, and I think about all these NFL coaches and the things they can do and say, and nobody ever talks about it. But it's no big deal. I mean, you're we're all grown men, but... You know... But it, he also had a softer... Uh-huh. No, go ahead. You said he also had a softer side. He did. I was at study hall one night, and I'm, I'm working the football facility facilities, and I... I'm upstairs, and I see the light flashing in the film room. And I'm like, who's up here? And I look, and it's, it's, just, Bill, it's just Bill just sitting in there. This guy had watched Fox 2 run, the only play, Fox 2 run. He's been watching it for six hours straight, the same play versus different fronts. And he looked tired. He looked just like... He looked like a guy who just like wanted to win so bad. Like, what do I have to do? Like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind or something. He goes, Harrison! And I'm like, oh, man. I was supposed to be at study hall, but he, he kind of like saw me. He's like, Harry, get in here. <clears throat> he puts on this play from practice earlier, and it was a post route to like Terrence Nunn. <laughs> I had thrown it like, like I, I had thrown it like 65 yards, I think. And uh, just missed him, just off his fingertips. And he's like, he's like, you need to listen to me. And I'm like, I'm like, why? Well, yeah, of course. And he's like, he's like, I can make you a first round pick. And I'm like, well, I, I want to be coach. He goes, I've been, this is a true story. He goes, I've been in the NFL for a long time. And I've never in my entire career coached a quarterback that can throw a football like you and i'm like i'm like 18 i'm like holy shit i'm like i'm like trying to think about all the quarterbacks that he might have coached i'm thinking like rich gannon you know i don't i don't know who else he's around me brett Favre. i don't know but i remember when he said that to me i was like wow this is some great stuff and so you could kind of catch him and maybe have these little intimate moments with him when he wasn't around a lot of people where he'd kind of you know be human with you and kind of like make you like you know feel great but uh that that was a special moment for me but but in his office he had a mattress that he that he had against the wall and it had like it looked like a college dorm mattress with like bed sheets and it was just leaned up against the wall and at night he would just throw it on the floor and sleep in his office wow so yeah. Do you think he got any? Do you think he got any joy out of it? I, 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 yeah, hell yeah, he does. He's still coaching in the NFL. I'm telling you, that guy's an O line coach. He loves being around those hogs. He loves, he loves football. That that that's the biggest difference between people who become like him or Peyton Manning or these really big league folks. It's nothing but football all day long. Film, football, film, football. It's like an obsession. And so... But isn't it, isn't it interesting, Harrison, how like... Okay, John Gruden, he can do it. 
And I mean, John Gruden and, and Bill Callahan are like kindred spirits, and yet, you right. know, you know, Gruden can do it in a way that sort of. Um, sort of appeals to people on the outside. You know, there's, like, personality there. And, and Bill... Yeah. B- Bill never quite pulled that off. You know, like, he, he had a hard time inspiring people, I think. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have that... John Gruden's, like... I've met John Gruden a few times. He actually used to come to practices all the time when Bill was there. So we're in a we're in the film room, and he, he's... John, John Gruden likes to sit in the back... Like, he likes to sit way up in the rafters in the film room so he can talk down to you. And he puts on the film, and I'm, like, trying, I'm, like, reading my notes. So he walks into the film room, and he sees Joe Gans in a Brian Greasy jersey. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you put that jersey on just to shove it up my ass, didn't you, Joe? Because Greasy had just left the Bucks. And he looks at Joe, he looks at Joe, and he goes, Brian Greasy is a piece of shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to curse. And, uh, sorry, Brian, if you hear this. Um, but uh, he goes up in the rafters, and he just stuns you like that. Like, Gruden just stunned you. And you're like, oh, okay. And I'm taking notes, and, and he yells down, hey, bass guitar! Because... They knew, because I can play guitar really well, and so I guess they knew I could play guitar, and he goes, hey, bass guitar, <laughs> no one knows who he's talking to, and I, and I kind of turn around, he's like, yeah, you. Earlier in that week or the week before, I was in, I had a, I had a metalcore band in uh, Nebraska, like a heavy metal band, and I played at Knickerbockers, and so like 150 people show up, and the news and everything, and I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, this is crazy. Um, but anyway, so they found out. And so he's like, hey, bass guitar, what formation is that? And I'm like, coach, honestly, east right. And, and he's like, he's like, it's, it's west right. And he's like, because on the west coast, everyone's outside having fun all the time. And our tight end is obviously on the outside. You know, the tackle. <laughs> yes, coach, I got it, man. West, west right. And... And he was just intense like that. So, like, later that afternoon, he gives a speech to the whole team. And he's like, he walks in. He's like, all you motherfuckers look ahead. And everybody's like, like, he's like, I want you to slam, sit up, look interested, act attentive, nod your head, and track the speaker. Slam. And we're all, like, looking forward now. And he's telling this story, and he's like, Football's like a boulder, and every practice, every day, you pound the rock, and he's pretending he has a sledgehammer hitting a boulder, and he's like, you just keep pounding the rock, and pounding the rock, until you smash that fucking rock into a pebble! (laughs) We're just in this auditorium, like, turned up, like, let's go practice! Is this the origin of uh, of the famous pound the rock phrase? Yeah, it is. And that's why Bill Callahan put a rock um, outside that you had to touch before you before you went to practice. It was to commemorate that that speech. Did you um okay, so so 2005 you come in you're you're a true freshman and Zach comes in at a JUCO. Yeah. Were you okay? Right. Were you okay not starting right away? Yeah, I was okay. You got it. You know, 
I actually, if you ask me, like, I really just, I know that sounds so like, you know, everyone's like, hey, you don't want to compete, you know, you're spoiled and stuff, but it's like, I really wish he would have just like thrown me to the wolves and I would have got hit and learned from my mistakes. Because when, when you're hyper competitive and you're not playing and you're like having to watch someone else, you're like, it sucks. You're like standing there, like, I'm like sitting there, like watching, I'm like, dude, I can throw a football 85 yards. Like, yeah, I might throw some incompletions at first, but, like, just throw my ass in there and let's go, you know? But Zach, he's a little bit older. He was, like, 23 or whatever he was at the time. So he was a little more, like, you know, <clears throat> probably a little more mature, probably a little more, little more like, you know, some of the older guys on the team, like Bradley, Stewart, and, you know, Jay Moore and some of the older folks. He could probably relate a little bit better to him um, than I did. You know, I was a freshman. You're still kind of just, you know, learning how to get to class and do all that stuff. Um, I, I wasn't upset. I thought, like, and I, I know Zach knows this. I mean, I, I like Zach a lot, but, I mean, it was, you know, I, I was, I probably had a lot more. As far as naturally, I was, you know, head and shoulders above him. Um, but again, you know, I probably could have done a better job, you know, listening during the games, but I'm kind of one of those people where if I'm not the star, like, you know, I don't care. I just move on to the next thing. Yeah. And I, it, and it kind of just turned me off having to be the backup. Cause I, I like want all the attention. Okay. So you guys had a really rocky 2005, uh, things are kind of up and down and then, yeah. One of the most bizarre Nebraska football moments that I can remember is is Zach getting hurt against K State and Bill Callahan. Uh, everybody thinks you're going to redshirt, and instead, you know, here comes Harrison back trotting onto the field in the tenth game of the season. Uh, what was yeah. what was that moment like? Did you know that was going to happen? I don't think Coach Callahan didn't. Re- he liked Joe Gam like as a person, but I don't think he thought he was worth anything as a quarterback. Even though Joe probably you know ended up having a few good years there at the end, and actually ended up playing pretty well for Coach Callahan right as he was going out the door. Um, so he it was always kind of like maybe I was like the secret number two or something, you know. Even though I was their plan on redshirting me, but you know Zach goes down, and I go in the game. And uh, it's just, it's surreal. I mean, hearing 90,000 people scream, it's surreal. It's, I went out there, and <clears throat> and it's just unbelievable. You know, I'm looking Kurt Mann in the eyes of center, and I got, you know, Porkchop out there, little Corey Ross. And uh, and I the ball felt, it feels like a tennis ball in your hand because you have so much adrenaline. And so Coach Callahan's like, all right, I want Trey Wright. I want all go dancer, which is like four verticals. And he's like, I want you to throw it to X. I don't care what the coverage is. I just want you to drop back and throw it. And I'm like, all right. And I, and I dropped back and I think I threw it about 65 yards right into the stands. <laughs> and I think I hit one of those people eating one of those red hot dogs. <laughs> you didn't play very well. I remember that. Yeah, I I threw an early, like, silly, like, nonchalant, like, didn't know where I'm at yet type 
pick like if you were playing ncaa on the playstation like the controller would kind of be shaking and stuff because of the crowd and and then i kind of settled down a little bit and i hit nate swift i think on a crossing route and got a penalty and we were able to kick a field goal and win the game and by the time i called everyone back in florida i'd thrown five touchdowns you know even if i was one for six for 27 yards it was the 27 yards that beat bill snyder in kansas state wasn't it (laughs) yeah that's right beck played in garbage time at colorado two weeks later but he didn't have a completion he finished his freshman year and his husker career one for 10 with 21 yards and an interception and i think by the end of that freshman year you know just the mixed emotions of kind of you know like why why didn't why don't i have 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns yet and why am i you know, not playing right now. I think just that I was just like, all right, let's let's get let's get these games going and get through the Alamo Bowl and get into the off season so I can, you know, actually have a chance here to play next year and I don't have to, you know, just sit here and watch other people. And you didn't win the job. I mean, you were you got hurt that spring, two thousand six, and yeah, you weren't making much progress, right? Yeah, well, hell, I I actually went into the spring and I was doing I was doing really well and I had a, I had a really good spring or was get, starting to have a really good spring get momentum and I tear I tore this thing in my shoulder called the super spinatus tendon and I'm dealing with this dope guy that Walker I don't know what the hell the guy's name is Doke he's dope. the famous <laughs> trainer there yeah, Doke Ostergaard. And he, he's an all right guy, but like he's like telling me that he's like he's like pressuring me to play, but like I have this tear on my shoulder, and I couldn't lift my elbow up past my like kind of past my rib cage, and I had to like miss the spring game, and I'm like, God, this is horrible, and and uh, and so it it was kind of just a funky time, and Callahan walks up to me and he's like you know, trying to, like, maybe scare me a little bit into playing. It's like, they're going to have to cut you up. And I'm like, well, I don't know what the hell they're going to have to do because I've, I've never – this is my golden gun right here, my my little – you know, my, i I got to make sure that this thing's beautiful. I can't – you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and I had this tearing and I couldn't throw. And, and they kind of just got funky there heading into the summer. You are – you get to fall camp. And you get to practice the first the first day or two, and you were like number four on the on the depth chart. I mean, you, you got like as the story goes, as your mom you know told the World Herald that week, yeah. you know you, you were listed number four, and you just kind of you kind of lost it, right? Like you you barely got yeah, it. They were they were. He's trying to do that old that old like NFL like scare you into playing better trick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was number four, but it was like, you know, you know, I'm going to put them at number four and see if like the hyper competitiveness pisses them off. But I'm like the I'm like the exact opposite. I mean, I'll just start playing left handed then. I mean, I, I know that sounds horrible. I can throw left handed, by the way, like sixty yards. It's like it, it's amazing when you see it. Really? But um, but I'm like the opposite. I'm not. I'm not. That was like the opposite thing you should have done because I'm like, well, fine. 
want to see a number four quarterback, I'll, I'll eat a Jimmy John sandwich out here while they practice. <laughs> you rebelled. I don't even know if it's, I guess it's rebelling, but it's, I'm literally like number four. I, I don't even know who else was on there. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who, if he made like Sam Coe or something, the third string quarterback. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to do, but I would, I'm just sitting there like, you know, it just seems silly. It's like, okay, you know, you recruited me to, you know, play for you, but now I'm just like, you know, standing here. So Harrison, I'll make it even worse for you. I might even put a dip in. Harrison, it was uh, it was Zach, uh, Joe yeah. G- Joe Gans, and and the infa- right. and the infamous Bo Davis. Oh my God, Bo Davis! That guy actually had a rocket launcher, by the way. I don't know if you've ever seen him throw, but he had, he actually had a pretty good arm. He's from Ventura, California. The only time anybody's ever seen him play was the was the Texas Tech game in two thousand four. Yeah. Well, he was a nervous Nelly. He he kind of was one of those that like he's like a little kitty cat. He'd get all nervous and stuff when it when it came to having to like you know do something. But I mean, he was a great guy. He had a great arm. I just you know I don't know what you want me to say about Bo Davis. So when did you when did you decide? I'm going home. I mean, that is a that is such a huge decision, you know. Yeah, honestly, I was just at a like I said, I was at a walkthrough, and we're doing another installation of like the run game, and I'm just like doing this installation, and I'm sitting over there in the corner, and I'm like, I don't the run game. I'm like, I don't told you i'm like so 1990s like i just want it to be like all about me and me throwing and me throwing curl routes and people watching me throw and at that point i'm just like like i'm not i can't do another run game installation and i turned to zach and i'm like dude how do you get to nc state and he's like i think you take 80 to something to st louis i'm like all right dude i'll see you later and I left, and I just grabbed my guitar, and I went up to Jiffy Loop and got my gauges checked, and uh, just grabbed some basketball shorts, and I was like, dude, no way I'm staying here in Lincoln. And I left, and I just drove my ass home, dude. I went went home, I slept for, I don't know, <clears throat> maybe 15 hours, and I woke up, and I was like, Coach Amato! Old H-Back's coming to Raleigh. And he said, he said, he said, son, you're going to be my Jimmy Mac. And I said, I sure damn am. And I, t- and I went to Raleigh two days later. I signed up. I was out there. Harrison, did you, I hate to back you up a thousand miles here, but that is a, first of all, it cracks me up that you stopped at Jiffy Lube. Yeah. But you're driving back, yeah. you're driving back to Tampa. I mean, that is a, I'm trying to imagine what you're thinking during that drive. I mean, that is... It was, I mean, I guess it is intense. I mean, some folks are calling me and they're like, you know, my mom's, where are you at, Harrison? You know, I think, like, I don't know if people thought, like, I went off the deep end, but for me, for me, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I make, like, I make very, I'm very decisive, you know, 
when I like if I see somebody open, I just like throw it as hard as I can at them. And if in life, when I feel a certain way, I just pull the trigger and I just you know. Sometimes it's the wrong way. Sometimes it's not. But uh, I was at a point where, like I said, I'm not. I, I can't. I'm not going to like. Who, who's around me? Like Joe and I mean, these aren't like. These, you know, I'm not like competing with, you know, <laughs> the cream of the crop here. I'm like, why, why, why waste your time and energy on these folks? And all, all due respect to them. I know Zach had a nice career, but I'm like. I need to like play and play now and I want it to be all about me. And, and I was just standing there and I'm like, Jesus, I, I really don't care which way the fullback goes. I want to like somebody to snap it to me in the shotgun so I can like throw a pass. And I was like, I'm out. Do you regret that? Um, I, you know, the, this is the only part I regret is, I can, I feel probably the, I know this is going to, I'm telling you, if, if you get to the, if you get to a little bit of NC State, but more importantly, North Alabama, I mean, I almost won that silly D2 Heisman, the Harlan Hill, like barely trying. I was throwing for like 500, or 400, 500 yards a game. And, and I, the only part that pisses me off is I, I think I didn't get to go to the NFL because I made Coach Callahan mad. What do you mean? Like, I'm almost positive I got blacklisted because I left Nebraska. I left Coach Callahan, and anybody that probably ever asked about me, I mean, that guy is a big league, major force in the NFL with a lot of buddies. And the way I left abruptly and the way I was jerky about it, which are my fault for sure, and I and I regret maybe the way I handled that, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess it looks like maybe my NCAA career wasn't a success, but I still finished with like fifty plus touchdowns in my career. Um, and I, 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 like I said, I finished like second for the D two Heisman at North Alabama, and I and I have an amazing, amazing, talented arm like you've never seen in your life and I didn't even get a sniff in the NFL I mean I'm like watching uh who's in the NFL now like I watch some of these I watch some of these folks from like Old Dominion and some of these other guys and I'm like I'm like are you kidding me you know I didn't even get a sniff it's unbelievable I think I was definitely blacklisted but it's probably a a no fellow soliloquy at this point. You had a you had a brief phone call with with Callahan, right? I mean, you he tried to basically right. bring you back. He tried to tell me the story about Eric Crouch and <clears throat> him going, you know, leave. I think he left for a day or something and came back. But I I, I don't know. I just didn't like the guys on the team in Nebraska. I did. There, you know that Corey McEwen kid? Yeah. I mean, so bad. I mean, there was just some folks on the team that were just like, I don't know. I just didn't. I wanted to. I'm used to Tampa, Florida, where you got like the folks from Miami and you got like, you know, like you can drop back and throw bombs and you got like swag and everyone listens to like Gucci Man and everyone's like, gets like, you know, everyone's like got some swag to them. 
some zone six Atlanta, some TI to them. And you get out to Nebraska and it was just like a different, you know, <laughs> like I don't think Chad Kelly would have played at Nebraska. Chad Kelly, of course, is the former Ole Miss quarterback who had a rebel streak of his own. NC State, why didn't it work out? So I get to NC State, and Coach Amato gets fired within like the first two months of me being there. He he like he's like a Mike Dick and Jim McMahon. Like he's like a Mike Holmgren and a Brett Favre. Like you know, like oh, pull him out, pull him out. No, let him stay in and learn. You know, like he's like one of those coaches, and I call them horse whisperers because you know they they don't try to like. They don't try to like whip you. They like run up to you and they lift your ear up and they're like, just run horsey. You know, they just let you go be free. And he gets fired and then they bring in Tom O'Brien and he's like a not smart version of Bill (laughs) O'Callaghan or Bill Callahan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bill. Yeah. Put them two together. They're the (laughs) same coach except for Tom O'Brien's not smart and Bill Callahan is. And he's like this strict disciplinarian. And I'm like, dear God, I'm like, this is like, this is not starting well. And, and these guys were nuts. They were like, we're going to run spider two, Y banana. And I want you to throw it to the fullback. So make sure it's third and four every time. And I'm like, I'm like, that's what I just left. Now I'm back. My God. And so I play there and I'm not, I'm not going to put it all on other people. I, I, I did decent like my first game i brought him back for ccf and you know threw for a couple hundred yards i'm like oh, i'm going to the league man this would be great and then i played matt ryan in my second start through like 350 yards when i threw a couple picks and you know i had some games and i hurt my shoulder i had kind of a dismal average year uh you know off and on injury and then russell wilson played the next year they love russell because i mean russell's legit i mean I don't know how good of a quarterback he is, but he's very, he's very like focused and listens to what coaches say, no matter what. He's super respectful, super try hard. Um, you know, he would like run five miles to class. I watched him flip over the handlebars of his mountain bike one time. I was like, dude, that kid's a dork. But then I saw him like last year. He married Sierra, and I'm like, oh my god. He married Sierra, but my wife's hotter. But but he um he he's a he was just a good he's the Tom O'Brien Navy kind of military good quarterback, and he he's had a great career. So all all kudos to him. You he's uh, done really well. You and Russell Wilson are about as opposite of personalities as it gets. Yeah. Yeah, no, we absolutely are. I mean, you got to think about a quarterback room. It's like having one ribeye and like five Rottweilers. You know what I'm saying? And and it's just it can get nasty. And Russell, he did great. He could he can run re- really well. He does that crazy little pump fake thing. And he just NC State. They're like they kind of you know they don't have the tradition Nebraska has. They kind of are one of those teams that, like, if they win eight games, they're like, win one for the Kipper! Like, they celebrate if they, like, win, like, the Papa John's.com Bowl. And so, it was a, it was interesting there. And I kind of got to the point where, same situation I found myself in again. I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, 
wait, can I just get like one coach who's just going to like dedicate his life to Harrison Beck? And and I ended up leaving NC State after and finish with my degree, but going to North Alabama. You had one year left in North Alabama, right? Yep. 2009. And Terry Bowden, yeah. Terry Bowden just gave you the keys? Dude, Terry Bowden is the best coach I've ever had coach me in the history of football. This guy, this guy is like, like, imagine, like, he brought in 27 Division One transfers, and they all had, like, their unique, like, personalities. <laughs> this guy is, like, a leader of, like, of, like, wild horses. He's just, like, come into my stable, and I will feed you and nurture you and teach you and, and pet your mane. And, and you're just, like, you're, like, what? Love? I love this. And... And so he runs this Texas Tech. You're in the shotgun. Dude, he put my feet. My feet were at 8 yards, and he told me to drop back to 11 yards. So I'm like like 16 yards deep in the shotgun throwing passes, like no dropbacks. <laughs> he let me call all my own plays. And so I'm just, everything was a two-minute draw. But, you know, I'm just, got forward, rocket, rocket. Everything starts out four verticals, and I can change to comebacks and in routes. And I'm like, one time, one time I threw an out route, <clears throat> and I was like, that was a fucking laser. And Terry runs across the field, and I'm like, oh, God, he's going to yell at me. He runs across the field, and he goes, we're putting it in the playbook. It's fucking laser on one. <laughs> and, and I just looked at him like, oh, my God. This is the one. And... uh and it was just like that, man. And he just let me call my own plays and throw it. And I'm throwing for like 350, 450. I'm breaking pretty much every North Alabama passing record you could have. I just put a visor on, like a like an old school like Johnny Manziel visor, so no one could see my eyes. And I just like I was like total like maximum version of Harrison. In 2009, Beck threw for 3,823 yards and 31 touchdowns. North Alabama was number one in the country in November, 10-0, before a four-overtime loss to West Alabama. They went 11-2, losing in the national quarterfinals to Carson Newman. Beck finished sixth in the Harlan Hill voting. The winner was Joik Bell, who went on to the NFL. Dude, I'd be like, I swear to God I'd be in the NFL. If I played for Terry Bowden for four years... Then I would I would have at minimum at minimum been a second round pick in the NFL. I'm telling you that guy was unbelievable. Did you ever take a I hard? Could play today. <clears throat> you could probably I'm, play. You could sorry. probably play today. Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm just like raw human being. But go ahead. Why do you say that? Why do you Why do you think you could still play today in the NFL? Because I, I can. I, I keep, some people can just throw. I mean, you know, I saw Aaron Rodgers go down. I was like, call Brett Favre. He'll probably throw six touchdowns. <clears throat> some people just are born with rocket arms. I mean, that's why you see, like, like Tom Savage of the Texans. Like, he has no chance. His throwing mechanics are all, like, he's not, like, a natural thrower. Like, like Dan Marino's a natural thrower. Like, nobody, nobody had to, like, tell him how to throw. Like, if this was the Paleoic era, he would, like, pick up a football and be able to throw it 80 yards. 
it's just like in your blood. But Harrison, let me play devil's advocate. Isn't there a lot more to football than just picking up a ball and, and running around and throwing it? I mean, isn't there isn't there a skill that that Russell Wilson has and that Aaron Rodgers has developed and Tom Brady has and Zach Taylor has that you know that that maybe you didn't appreciate or embrace? None of them physically, mentally. I could do the same things as all of them. I've been around all of them. I've been around Aaron Rodgers at the Elite 11. He's a little pumpkin pie haircut. He, he yelled at me one time because he said I said the F word too much. I was beating Chase Daniel in Madden, and he says, Harrison, you say you say the F word too much. And I just looked at him like how a mountain lion stares at a hillside goat, and then I just kept beating Chase Daniel. But back back to your <laughs> question... Back to your question, the only thing that separates the highest and highest of all-time quarterbacks is extreme, psychotically extreme focus. They do not get bored. They, they love, they are just like extremely focused. Like they love film. They love like, they love just like, like repetition of the same thing. Like the difference between Troy Aikman and Brett Favre is after Brett Favre hands off to keep himself in the game, he's got to do like a fake throw. Like he's got to have something that's his. Troy Aikman is content with just dropping back, handing off perfect form. That's like the difference is those guys are like hyper, hyper psycho focused on the, on the the boring things about the game. Did you have that? Probably probably not. I I I just like I said I was just I'm like <clears throat> I'm like freaking like Boomer Esiason or something <clears throat> like I I just want to like I just want to throw. I'm just like old school like Dan Bell's Boomer Esiason like just like you know 1990s like headband like macho get out of my way quarterback so that season end 2009 ends and and you were you going around to draft workouts i did a little bit check this out so i'm like getting my master degree right i'm like oh my god I'm like no who's who's calling me right and and so I, i'm getting my master's degree and I'm looking at, hold on and i'm like working as like a cashier and that, that's how unbelievable this is. And I get a call from the Alabama Hammers, the Huntsville football team. He's talking and about a situation in 2011. The coach is like, you know, we got one of our last games coming up, and our other quarterback just quit. It was only like 200 bucks, And he's like, do you want to play? And it was like Thursday, and they had to play Saturday, so like no practice. And he's like, can you be at practice today in the afternoon? And so I, I'm at my cash register job, and so I'm just like, I just fake sick all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, I gotta go. And the manager's like, if you leave, you're fired. And I'm like, I guess I'm fired. And and I leave, and I drive the 50 miles to Huntsville. I do practice. And, dude, I hadn't played in, like, just, like, three months after the season ended. I haven't played. And I'm just out there. just Like I said, dude, I can just pick it up and just start throwing dimes. So the game comes on Saturday. And that whole season, I was kind of maybe going to play with them or maybe not play for them. And they had let me practice early in the season, but they said that I was a little wild. So 
like like I kind of like like I said it takes like six months to like me they're like you're a little wild so they wouldn't let me play so now they call me back they want me to play and uh I'm out and we're playing the Fayetteville Force and and you can you could almost you could google this article we win 92 to 8 we played at the Von Braun Center in Huntsville I threw eight touchdowns I ran for two touchdowns (laughs) but the best story is is they this is arena ball so it's like you know people are in motion it's short field and uh so I throw a smash route and when I throw it guy catches it for a touchdown this is like my second touchdown i hadn't played in three months i had so much like animosity towards everyone for not like letting me play anymore i throw the touchdown i run over to the coach and i'm like coach fuck you i told you i was brett Favre, and (laughs) and the whole team is like going nuts on the sideline and he smiles at me and he goes, no, you're Beck Favre. <laughs> 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 and we won 92 to 8. And then I never, I've never played uh, professional any type of football again. That was it? Yeah, that was, that was it. That bother you? I, the only time it bothers me is when I have the best arm at the company barbecue. Uh, I mean, I, there's no way I should be, you know, having to do some of the, uh, you know, having to be like a corporate executive. I mean, these guys are, you know, these guys don't know anything about being famous or being good at anything. But uh, besides that, that's probably the only time it bothers me you're probably like i can hear the pain in his voice (laughs) no i think a lot of people i think a lot of people live with it um you know wonder wonder about stuff like that but but your personality is different you know yeah i mean but i mean i'm not gonna stop i mean so you know i think about like madonna i mean she like is like a new character like every year (laughs) Lady Gaga, you know, I it's kind of weird to use those references, but I think now I know, I, again, I'm very, like, go get whatever I want, you know, when I want to do it, I can almost hit, like, a light switch and turn myself on and on, and so I was like, okay, if I can't be quarterback, then I'm going to be Travis Kalanick from Uber, or I'm going to be Elon Musk, and so, you know, I just replaced Brett Favre with, you know, one of those guys. And I'm like, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur and I'll get famous doing that. And they'll have to, they'll have to idolize me doing that. And then I'm also like, you know, with Cleanosaur, I'm like, dude, if Cleanosaur takes off and I make that thing pretty awesome, imagine the chapters of my life. I'm going to get to say that I was a college quarterback i have that story i close that chapter i open the cleanosaur chapter up i build this company i close that chapter and i'm going to get to be one of those people who kind of gets to live nine different lives and it's going to be amazing you still follow nebraska football yeah well i do i I feel bad for them they probably need to go ahead and just get scott frost up there by next week but uh, you know, 
I, I, uh, either that or just, I don't know if they need to just go back to the option. I feel like ever since they stopped doing the option, they just kind of ripped the heart out of their own body. That's, that's strange to hear that coming from you, who was sort of the face of the new era, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's like, uh, it's like the Denzel Washington for the Remember the Titans with the, we run three plays. It's like Novocaine works every time. You know, Nebraska's got a, you know, I know they had some success with Taylor Martinez and some of these folks, but I don't know. It just doesn't look like Nebraska football to me. Okay, when you when you watch Bill Callahan on TV now, uh, O-line coach for the Redskins, and, and you know, you talk about C.J. Beathard is starting, starting a quarterback for the 49ers and all this. Um, yeah. Is it – I'm just trying to imagine sitting next to you on the couch, you know, watching watching this stuff. Like Sitting on the couch watching the games, I, I really got to be honest with you. And, and it goes full circle back to practice. I've been bored, like, watching football. Like, I, I barely – I watch it. And I like some of the big games, and I like watching great quarterbacks more than I do teams. But it—I it, just feel like football's gotten a little, it's a little boring lately. I don't, I don't know. But when there's a great game on, for sure, I'm, you know, yelling at the TV, and I just want Chad Kelly to start so bad for the Broncos, so I never have to watch Trevor Simeon throw another pass for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm still laughing at the fact that uh, Joe Gans bought a Brian Greasy jersey, by the way. I, I've been chuckling about that for a half an hour now. I, I like Joe Gans. He was, he's funny. He's, Joe Gans is hilarious. He, you know, oh, my God. There was, a, there was some times where he was, you know, third or fourth uh, when, we were, when we were all there, and he'd just put in a horseshoe dip and just sit back at practice and just have himself a damn time. <laughs> Man, you were down at NC State when that thing fell when it fell apart in two thousand seven. Uh, what what was your reaction watching it? I mean, did you think was it was it? Uh, did you get some joy out of that, or or did you did you did you feel it coming, or did it surprise you? What was your emotion? I think I. Well, I I was like, damn, Joe, because Joe Gans started playing, and Bill Callahan was like. Bill Callahan, I think I think I missed Bill Callahan a little early because it looked like the last like five games of his career he was just like I'm going to throw the ball 71 times a game, <laughs> and and Joe was throwing like five, I remember against Colorado I think he scored like six through like six touchdown passes, um, so it was it was kind of crazy I I'm, I I wondered I was like are people in Nebraska like actually excited they're scoring like 75 points a game right now. Coach Callahan's just like on total nuclear option. Um, <laughs> of course, they were giving but, up. They were giving up seventy five too. Right, right. They couldn't stop anyone. I guess, according to some of the folks on the team, I guess it got really like finger pointy um, at the end. And you know, I think a lot of people are getting thrown under the bus. And then I saw the whole like um, Tom Osborne wants to run Nebraska football from Washington comment. And I was like, "Yeah, that's probably uh, that's probably going to be the end right there." So you stayed in touch with some guys, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still talk to Zach every once in a while, and and uh, Joe Gans, I talk to talk to him every once in a while, and Jordan Jordan Adams, I see him every once in a while on LinkedIn. So, man, good stuff. How well, it's been a it's been a long time. We uh, I wish we would have done this years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate you uh, uh, reaching out, but uh, it has been a long time, but. But uh, cleanasore dot com, baby. Request. Hey, you know what, Dirk? You need to get. You need to request a cleanasore to come, come clean your house. Uh, I, I might do that. I, I've got three little kids, so it's it's a mess almost all the time. <laughs> hey, should I be watching? So sh- should I be watching yeah. for? Uh, should I be watching for Bo Beck here in the in the recruiting rankings in about ten years? Oh yeah, definitely. If he has any part of my blood in him, he's gonna be like, he's gonna be off the chain. I mean, I, I'm really excited. I'm not gonna go full like Todd Moranovich's dad. <laughs> like I'm not like stretching his hamstrings in the crib. But I, I, I do. These are the things I do. I make him sit on the couch with me, and we watch YouTube clips of Brett Favre. Um, they have like his whole 1992, 93, 94 seasons. I make him watch every pass, and then I make him watch um, Stone Cold Stunners. And he's seen every Stone Cold Stunner that's ever been done. And then the third thing I make him watch is Macho Man Randy Savage monologues. So that way he knows that it's not just about performing, it's about the character as well. You know, it's strange to think of you as a dad because uh, in some ways I don't think you've ever grown up. Uh, well, you know, when you get a wife and kids and you, you start, uh, you have a Mercedes Benz, uh, note that you got to float every, every month, you, you have to, you have to find unique ways to grow up pretty fast. <laughs> You're driving a Benz? Oh yeah, dude, I'm rich. I, I might have not made it to the NFL, but, um, I, I, I dial for dollars for sure. I made myself rich in other ways. <laughs> Harrison, thanks for doing it. I really appreciate your time. Uh, if if I have anything else, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text. Okay. All right, that sounds good. Hey, one one last thing. Yeah. Clean the floor. Thanks for listening to Where I Come From. You can access our entire library of episodes at omaha.com/podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have feedback on this one or any others, please email me at dirk.chatelaine at owh.com. Thanks to Bird Creek for the music, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.